Shalom and welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein and I have the privilege of being your host coming to you from the Judean mountains in Israel. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation and our mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new and unique and meaningful and hopefully you will find this program to be all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and related to Israel, essentially to give you a window to look through about aspects of life here in Israel that you might not otherwise know about. We definitely want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with any questions or comments uh, at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com at any time, or visit us on the website genesis one two three. Dot co And certainly, I hope you'll share this with people who will find it of interest. Today, I'm real excited, both because of the topic and because of our guest. Um, we're going to be we're going to be speaking as we enter the most awesome uh, season of the Jewish calendar about repentance and forgiveness on the eve of Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, the biblical New Year. And our guest is, is a, a good friend um, and full disclosure neighbor, um, Rabbi Avi Baumel, who was born in New York, who's actually coming to us from New York, is a graduate uh, of Yeshiva University with a master's of bachelor's and a master's in medieval Jewish history. He has rabbinic ordination from Yeshiva University and Rabbi Zalman Nehemia Goldberg, and is also an alumnus of Yeshivat Har Etzion here in the Judean mountains, not far from our homes. And he served as the former rabbi of a synagogue in Vancouver, British Columbia for a number of years um, before, before settling here in Israel in 2003. Since 2014, Rabbi Balmel has served as the rabbinic representative of the chief rabbi of Poland in Krakow, where he spends, Krakow also in Poland, where he spends two weeks a month helping the Jewish community of Krakow as it's undergoing a really remarkable a remarkable revival, but also, as he shared with me, interacting with a number of Polish Gentiles as well. Um, Rabbi Baumel and his wife made Aliyah, moved to Israel in 2003. He is a very highly regarded teacher, author, lecturer, as well as a licensed tour guide. So if I can sum it up, he really knows his stuff about uh, rabbinic Judaism, as well as as well as the land and the history of Israel, because in order to be a rabbi and to be a tour guide requires an in depth, uh, a great depth of amount of study. Um, rabbi Baumel, it is a thrill to have you. Thanks for making time today, taking away from your vacation in order to uh, in order to join us for this really important conversation. Well, thank you, Jonathan, for uh, having me. It's always a pleasure to be able to uh, connect with people through you and through your wonderful uh, uh, organization. And uh, we should continue to see uh, the fruit of your labors uh, for many years to come. I am in New York, and I am a little bit on vacation, a little bit spending time with my my family. So, um, but it's always a pleasure to uh, to talk, and especially since uh, yesterday uh, was the beginning of the. Uh, the last month of the Jewish year and the last month of the Jewish year, Elul, we start thinking about the first month of the Jewish year uh, for uh, Rosh Hashanah. So it should be on our mind already, even though we're uh, some, some of us are sitting by the pool. 
<laughs> well, it, it, it's a great thing. And that's actually a great way of starting because during the month of Elul, a whole month, I love it. I love how, how we have our calendar so structured that we have a whole month wake up call. And I, I don't know about you, but I need it. I need to get into it. It's like spiritual training and I'm not an athlete, but I know that you can't just go out there and run a marathon. You have to train for it. And I, I kind of think that this is very similar. So what we, what we have during the month of Elul is every day there's, there, there's special uh, prayers. We're, we're, we're blowing the shofar, which is, which is no, no more vivid a, a, um, a wake-up call. I mean, it's literally like your alarm clock going off and you can't avoid it. The, the, the shrill sound and the tones, and it is that wake-up call for what we are about to go into, which begins on Rosh Hashanah on September 6th, Monday night, September 6th, um, which, and the season is called the 10, in Hebrew, the Aseret Yemei Tshuva, the 10 days of repentance. Um, although repentance, and maybe we want to play with that word, um, it's, it's not just another holiday, and actually it's one of the holidays, come to think of it, that we don't say about it, we don't joke, they tried to kill us, we won, let's eat. This is something that's much more eternal and and very very personal. Uh, what 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 are you as a rabbi, community rabbi in Krakow, and as a individual Jewish father, man living in Israel? What are you thinking about as we go into this awesome season? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. It's uh, just the notion that uh, these type of questions should be in our mind are what uh, compelled the rabbis to, uh, to over the centuries, actually, you know, it doesn't say in the, to- in the Torah, in the Bible, uh, hey, and the month before Rosh Hashanah, start thinking. Um, <laughs> but uh, human nature is such that we're distracted, and especially it comes out in the summer. And uh, it's, it's, it's far from our mind sometimes. Came along the rabbis in their just their brilliant wisdom, and they said, let's, let's structure some input now it doesn't mean that we uh you know we recluse into our uh, caves for a month and just uh, introspect it means that in the days and weeks preparing for getting ready for rosh hashanah we take some time to think to uh to recollect to do a little bit of a uh an accounting and spiritual accounting if you will right right and the rabbis, like you said, Jonathan, the greatest, the most uh, shocking and uh, uh, visceral and emotional um, way to do it is through the shofar, which is a, like you said, a wake-up call. Maimonides designated that statement that, hey, it's time to wake up from your slumber. And our, slum- our slumber is sometimes, you know, the day-to-day, the monotony. Um, and uh, when we are doing what we're doing and working and busy, we don't get a chance to think properly and, uh, and, and question, you know, our, our activities and the such. So it comes along the shofar and it says, wake up. But the rabbis went beyond that. The rabbi said, the shofar is a, is a dramatic, uh, momentary, emotional experience. But they also told us to recite a psalm, Psalm 27, and that's more of an intellectual uh, journey. Uh, when you read Psalm 27, then you, uh, you, you internalize the thoughts and the feelings that King David was going through, the struggles that he was having that 
some of them were physical and some of them were uh, spiritual and some of them were psychological. And his yearning to reach out to God and to say that, God, you alone can help me on my path towards returning. And what's amazing about the psalm, the beginning starts with uh, David saying, uh, God is my light and my, my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? But we get a sense that he is afraid, although he's trying to convince himself that he, he should not fear anyone. And then he says, uh, I have one question. To, I have one thing that I ask from you. One thing I need from you. And that's to sit in the house of the Lord day and night and to constantly enter the house of God and to sing above my enemies. He basically a laundry list of all the things that are going wrong with him. And at some point at the end of the psalm, he turns to God and the psalm does not conclude and say, well, I've prayed and therefore I feel great and therefore I have a conclusion. But rather, the last words of the psalm are David saying to himself, Hashem, continue yearning, continue this process, keep strong, keep courageous and Hashem, and keep calling out to God. And I think that message the rabbis wanted to tell us hey, you're starting a process in this month. You're not uh, finishing it. It actually never ends. But right. start the, the conversation. Engage and uh, convince yourself that this process needs to begin. And through doing that, you'll enter into a higher state of consciousness. So I, I love what you just said because I try, I try to be cognizant all the rest of the year of my behavior, of of following the commandments um, that God uh, that, that God gives us that we, that we accept on ourselves and and to be cognizant of my failings and and there are there are plenty um, and and that's to me it makes me I think a better person more humble and a better Jew that if I'm constantly aware of it but then I come along in the month of Elul and I've got now a month to really get my act together and oh, and maybe going back to the um, to the marathon metaphor, it's sort of like maybe not. Yeah, it's like a marathon. It's like now we're sprinting to the finish line. You're in the last bit. You're a runner, and uh, and, and it's really. But but then the the race ends, so to speak. We don't we don't ever. People always ask me how was your Rosh Hashanah, how was your Yom Kippur, and I always tell them I'll let them know next year because God's got to He's got to inscribe me for the for the new year that it should be a good year. And, and, I, and I don't know. And that for me, it's funny, you, you mentioned King David and being fearful, because I do go in to, to this season very fearful, because I, I really try to draw on, upon everything that I've got to be as sincere in my, in my repentance and my making things right with my relationship with God, as well as with one another. And those now, and maybe that's a good direction to go now, those are the two areas, they're, they're not, neither of them are light, but those are the two areas that we have to really commit to now, right? We're, we're we got to be correct with God. And, and that's a whole separate process from repairing relationships and doing repentance from things that we've done wrong in the course of the year vis-a-vis one another. No question about that. Um, the Talmud is very, very clear, uh, painfully clear to us that um, the process of tshuva, the process of repentance, um, yeah, it works with God, 
um, if we're sincere and we get a bit of a pass, which is amazing, but that's 50% of the work. And you cannot be fulfilled in your spiritual journey and your spiritual accounting if all you do is saying, you know what, I got, I, I got it taken care of because I really prayed with God and I, and I went through and I hit my heart and I went through all of my sins. Um, if you left your friend and your neighbor and your spouse and your children and your family without any, uh, some kind of closure, without you know, opening up that discussion, you didn't do the work. And no prayer to God is going to help you. And that's a very, very powerful message that uh, the rabbis and the Talmud and during this season, we have to think about more than trying to approach God more, uh, trying to have a stronger connection to God is trying to make amends with some of the things that we did, did and some of the people that we've wronged um, and some of the people who wronged us and try to make amends uh, and try to figure out uh, that as well. So that's a clear uh, there's work to be done on both levels. Maybe this is a little bit out of left field, but as you're saying that, I'm thinking, yeah, you're, you, you said it's like 50% of the work to 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 uh, get back in a proper relationship with God. But I'm thinking that that's probably even a smaller percent because God is divine and God gives us this path and God understands, even if we, even if we don't fully get it, God, God can get us. But but being right with with the people that we even the ones that we love the most or don't or just people who we interact with we're all just simple, simple stupid and sometimes um um what's the word i want to use vengeful people and 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 that's not always uh, i don't know i i always find that to be really awkward going up to somebody and saying i'm sorry you know I, and thinking about what you did what do you what what do you you you, you teach this more you interact with it more you're a, yeah. you've been a you are a community rabbi and, and you're a teacher. What, what, what do you think well, about that? First, let me say that um, I really do like the 50%. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, I've met so many people who say, listen, not so good in the God department, but I'm a good person. And, and I respect that. And maybe I'll say 51%, you know, because that, that's, I think God wants, this, wants that more. But don't use that as an excuse. Um, right. Don't say, hey, I'm honest and I'm moral and I've met a whole bunch of people who are in church or in synagogue or wherever they are and they're actually cruel and they're, and they're mean and they're, they're dishonest. So I'm, you know, I'm okay and pat yourself on the shoulder. It doesn't work that way. You got to do a hard work on both spheres. So um, you find your way to you know, crawl back into that space where you can have a relationship with God. That's hard to do for some of us um, or maybe for all of us. But for those of us who it's easy to do because we're always in, in, in our, in our uh, spiritual phase, um, we've got to go back and say, you know what? Um, our relationship with people is no less important and maybe more important. So I, I like... I liked, uh, for us to think about both of those in terms of relationship with people. I think you're right. It's a little stayed. It's a little, uh, um, fake. It's a little contrived where you go, where you say, Hey, I, you know, I must've been bad to you. Um, I asked for forgiveness, uh, and you better do it because, uh, otherwise you're the bad person. I don't think that that's what, uh, we're asking. I think what we're asking for, I think what, what Judaism wants us to do is to recalibrate our, um, interpersonal 
uh, nature. Um, are we as patient with people as we should be? And if there are people that we, um, that we generally are not, I have not been, so then we should go over and not say the formal words of, I remember that I snapped at you back, you know, in June of, uh, of the year and I did this. I want, uh, you know, penance for that. No, 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 no. Do the honest work. Write down a list of people that you've, you know, generally uh, been engaging with. Um, write down the good qualities of, uh, that you've had in your relationship and some of the bad things that, that have taken place for your fault or not your fault. Think about it. And then go and engage with that individual, not in a formulaic way, but in a way of, of true and sincere desire to reconnect um, and to return uh, to a higher dimension of friendship or connection. That's and beautiful. I really like the word return because when we Jews talk about teshuvah, um, we don't like using the word repentance um, because that's sim simply not what the word means in the Bible. It means return. And I think that uh, returning, you know, on many different levels um, makes us feel like, okay, we strayed, but we know how to get back because we were once there. Great. Um, you're, you're speaking from a perspective of, okay, I've harmed you. I need, or, or, or I need to do my list, my inventory. And that's also hard. I mean, really hard to, you'll, you'll, you, you'll have some time on an airplane to sit and, and you don't have to watch movies um, but, but it's hard really to think in the year with whom you've engaged at a level. I mean, you, you're not going to, you don't know who you cut off in the car, in the car, um, or, or snagged a parking space from necessarily, but, but the people with whom you interact and we have an obligation, as you said, to return, to go, to, to make things right. And I love how you said it at a higher level, but but what but what does Judaism say in terms of if I'm if I'm coming to you in sincerity, what's your responsibility vis-a-vis -vis me? Um, it's one of the hardest commandments in the Torah, believe it or not. Um, the hard, one of the hardest commandments in the Torah is that when someone wronged you, you need to tell them that. It's much easier to ignore it and just say to your friend or your wife or to your partner, uh, this, this person's a jerk <laughs> and I'll never speak to them again. That's the easy way out. And that's what most of us do all the time because it's very uncomfortable to be, to show that vulnerability, to go over and to tell them you made me feel a certain way that was wrong. And if they come over to you, and this is a person that did something terrible to you. At least that's how you thought. And they're sincerely coming over and saying, I feel bad. It's just as difficult to say, you know, it's much easier to say, you don't deserve it. Sorry, you, you were rotten. And uh, you better sit in that and stew in that for a while. It's harder to say, okay, how can we use this to re re reconstruct our relationship? Um, Judaism, the, the Talmud, the rabbis are pretty strict about this. They say you have to make amends if they, if they make a gesture towards you. 
You can't shut people out. There's a biblical prohibition. I love this program. I love, love it. It's fascinating, the wording. It says, It says, don't hate your, your brother in your heart. The truth is, there's an extra word. It could have just said, don't hate your brother. Listen, hating is terrible. You know, just don't do it. The Torah is very, very, you know, astute. The Torah said, you're going to hate people because people are sometimes rotten to you. But don't hate him in your heart. You want to hate him? Tell them that, you know, all right, you hate is a strong word, right? You want to, you want to be upset. You want to be offended. You want, to, you want to lash out. Okay, you should do it in a proper and healthy way. Do it with your words. Have a conversation. So this is, uh, this is the way, you know, the Torah is the greatest uh, therapy book, I, I, I'd say, amongst other things, right? It, would, it forces you and us to, to, um, to go through a session, to lift up the phone, and um, and and have that conversation, even if it's uncomfortable. Do you think we're old enough and smart enough to the extent that we have world experience? You're, you're talking about lifting up the phone, but there was a there was a period before phones that that wasn't an option, and now when we we talk about lifting up a phone, you're speaking about calling somebody. But now it, it's very easy to copy paste a text or post on social media, which we're going to start to see, um, or maybe already starting to see, if I've forgiven anybody, please forgive me. Is that enough? No chance. <laughs> no chance. There are no, there are no shortcuts. My, my rabbi used to say, Rav Amital, in patentin. There are no shortcuts in Judaism, there's no there's no shortcut in spiritual work. There's no shortcut in uh, in relationship work. It just doesn't exist. Um, we do it because we have it in our minds that we have to be Yitzhazim. We have to make sure that we've said the right words because if we don't, then we're not we haven't done our work properly. The truth is, you know, it's really what's in our hearts. Um, that's why we have a month. To think about it, the truth is we're supposed to do it every day, and if we did it every day, then we wouldn't be so worried of that in the penultimate month of the year, or the last month of the year, to uh, you know to try to cram. How do you cram? What happened yeah. in January thirteenth? You know, where I met someone and I did something to them, or they did something to me. So the answer is yes, and yes, and yes. <laughs> uh, yes, you should be working on it daily. Yes. You should think about it at the end of the month. Yes, you, you should think about it at the end of the year. And yes, you should, um, you should invest in, in, in doing some honest, intense uh, relationship building. Um, just like you should do honest, intense relationship with God building. You're, you're reminding me of the scene in, um, oh, come on, what's the movie? Uh with Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise. Um, oh, come on. Were there brothers? And yes, Tom yes, yes. And Tom Rain, Cruise Man. Play, Rain Man. And Tom Cruise plays this autistic person and he has a book that he writes down every time someone does something That's bad nothing. to him. Yeah. Yes. Right? Which, which yes. is, which, 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 when you think about it in the movie, seems crazy, but actually what you just said 
wow, wouldn't that be refreshing is if someone upset you and you went home one day and then the next day you called up and say, hey, Jonathan, you know, it really bothered me that, that, that you did something. And, and by the way, when people say that to me, I love it because that it gives me that opportunity not to dwell on it. Uh, it's, I think it's great. We have a lot of learning from Rain Man. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think uh, I remember uh, hearing a, a lecture from my rabbi who's passed away, Rabbi Lichtenstein. He said that um, Benjamin Franklin uh, used to keep a diary uh, every day uh, of who he's wronged and who's wronged him. And he would go through it at night. And that's the real tshuva, the real proper uh, uh, experience of, of returning it, uh, basically, that every day you can do a spiritual accounting of what you've done and what you haven't done. And then you can kind of make amends for it instead of waiting, you know, months and months and months because uh, human nature is such that we forget a lot of stuff all Correct. the time. So we should follow the Franklin approach here. Good. Very good. Can you forgive somebody if they don't ask forgiveness? Um, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, you can, you can forgive because, um, listen, we get offended, right? Now, sometimes we get offended and they don't even know they've offended us. Correct. So now we're in a position. We're in a pickle. You, are you going to go over to that person and say, by the way, you were horrible to me. I was. Yes. And now I want you to ask for forgive. Well, I, you know, and then you start a whole process. Rather, um, when you get offended and someone does something unknowingly, right? So now you need to, uh, you need to think about your soul and you need to think about your personality and think about how much are we supposed to build a wall and how much are we supposed to let people in and how much are we supposed to stand up for our principles and how much are we supposed to kind of, uh, you know, give, give to the, the, no, the notion that people are different and, and uh, they have their own truth and their own perspective. So a lot of work is, is internal. Um, I should be more forgiving uh, because that'll make me a healthier person. Yes. Uh, because um, that will create a more giving society um, because that's what God expects from me because God teaches us about forgiveness and, not, and, and, and tolerance. So there are all these reasons not to be vengeful towards someone's actions towards me. Um, and Maimonides said we should be the ones, try to be the ones who's, who are insulted more than the ones who are doing the insulting. That's great. So, yeah, you should do that. We should do that. I, 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 I don't know about you, anyone else, uh, following us right now, but I'm finding this really helpful, and I'm glad we're having this conversation when we are um, to kind of to put me in that in that um, proper frame of reference. Let me shift to something that I only realized as you know, just just a few minutes before we, uh, we we started this conversation. You're in a unique position as rabbi in Krakow. Um, within an, I don't know, I, I've been there, but it's been 30 years. Within an hour, any direction of Krakow, you've got history that's still in our recollection of millions and millions and millions of Jews being murdered. Um, and I and I know, and, and especially speaking to a Jewish a Christian audience, as I do frequently, many Christians come to me and repent for the Holocaust and other things that were done in the name of the church. 
you you have a you know you we could have this conversation if you weren't rabbi in Krakow, but you are. How is is it possible? You know, you're sitting in Poland, you're interacting with some really fine people. Can you how is it even possible to talk about forgiveness for something that's that's global, that's national, or is or, and if so, how or is that just out of, out of the ballpark? That's that's a heavy question. That's a heavy question. I'm a, I'm at ground zero for Jewish collective pain. Yeah, and um, I can't um, I can't go and represent you know my great grandparents who were murdered um, and try to make you know make amends for what happened three three generations ago. Um, but I can forge new relationships with people's, you know, great-grandchildren of people who lived at that time who could have been perhaps more sensitive, who could have maybe done more, who, who less, were less callous, whatever, whatever stories that you can come up with, certainly, with, you know, with the perpetrators, but even with the ones who um, were, were standing by or neighbors, um, I think every time I, I have a conversation, every time we do a, a, a joint um, meeting or class or lecture. I mean, I think that we're 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 rebuilding, and um, you know uh, that notion of rebuilding and putting one block on top of another block builds a house ultimately, and you know it's a house of God that you can have, uh, you can have it everywhere in the world, and and if we if we need to build a house of God in Krakow, Poland, or in Auschwitz, um, we can do that, and we can do that by by not. Uh, forgetting the past and not seemingly finding a way to say, you know, we forgive and all that kind of stuff, which is just impossible to do, but rather to build on on what has taken place and to recognize that the, the, the grounds are hallowed, hallowed with blood uh, and sacrifice, and to tread very, very carefully and sensitively to, to uh, rebuilding together. I like that. That's helpful because, as you know, my family uh, came from Poland and to, to the east of Krakow. And there's a young Polish man um, who's taken it on. His life, uh, life work right now is to um, create reconciliation. And he has done an unbelievable job of documenting the existence of a Jewish community in this small town called Kanchuga, uh, where I think if I remember correctly, there weren't more than a thousand Jews um, in, in the whole place, mo- most of whom were, were murdered, um, including many of my relatives. And he's a lovely guy and with great intentions, but I think to myself, okay, reconciliation, so what? It, 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 it's like, okay, great. Yeah, it's important to remember. I'm so grateful that he's taken on cleaning up the uh, cemetery, the Jewish cemetery there and, main- and maintaining that. Um, that. That means a lot. But okay, so so what? And what you've just depicted is there's even an opportunity, generations now passed, to build something positive, which which is ultimately, I think, if I if I'm interpreting your earlier words correctly, really puts us on that path of return, of of getting away from the baggage that, uh, and that's good for us. It's not just because God wants it; it's good for us, and maybe that's one of the reasons God wants it. Absolutely. I want you to know that that uh, there's one man in Kanchuga 
And for for him and for the Jews who are from Kanjuga, that's like building a new world. But there's another man in Bochnia, and there's a man, a, a woman in Zostek, and there's a woman in Tarnov, and there's a young group in in Tarnograd, and there's uh, there people there there's people in Shavnitsa, everywhere throughout the country, everywhere throughout the country, there are individuals who are sparks of illumination, and they are bringing light and love, and they are doing things. And when you add it all up, I, I think that they 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 just uh, create this amazing. Uh, beacon of light um, and and I've, I've been doing some work on it and I, I think that there's something that that is 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 pure and beautiful and it, it is a sign of a of a generation that has matured and understood that something was lost when we lost the Jewish community of Poland and even though it's hard to rebuild uh, the least we can do is memorialize what was and hope that uh, we do justice to their memories. Great. Um, we, we're, we're going into the year 5,782 since creation. Um, and I, I always think, right? Uh, and, I, and I'm thinking, we as Jews have a special relationship with God and obligations. And, we, and, and this is why it's important to have a conversation like this to share with non-Jews what it is, how are we doing, how do we live, and, and what's what's going on in our minds in the Jewish world, certainly among Christians, because Jesus w- was a Jew and 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 observed many of the things that we do. But it's it's five five thousand seven hundred eighty two years since creation, since God created the world, and we're all God's children, and Everyone has their unique relationship to God. What would your, if this was your synagogue packed with Jews and non-Jews, what would be your message to the non-Jews, to Christians specifically, as we go into the season of return, of uh, uh, where, where forgiveness, seeking and granting is such an important part? What would, where, where, where they have a relationship with God as well, what, what, uh, What's what's a good message for for someone who's not observing it the way we do? Um, I'm speaking, you know, if I'm speaking to an audience of people who are listening to a rabbi or to rabbis talk about um, Judaism, then I'm already speaking to an audience that um, is, is sympathetic to uh, the message that I have. Right? I mean, there's a whole other group that would say, "What do I care from Jews?" and and they're the past, and and we've you know we've superseded all that kind of stuff. But if I'm speaking to people who say, you know what, there are spiritual roots. You know what, there's room I think in in God's world for the Jews as chosen people and the Christians as a chosen people. We can all be chosen in God's eyes. If I'm speaking to you, then you've done work. Um, you're in a different place, and you yourself are aware of the fact that for thousands a couple of thousand years or, you know, a thousand years plus, um, it wasn't, you you couldn't do that as a Christian. You had to choose. It was a very isolationist. It was very, it was mutually exclusive. And we seem to have, thank God, you know, Vatican II and and Nostratata and and the last generation and the new Pope, we seem to have moved into a place that there is a plurality uh, and, and, 
and an ability to to connect to God and to recognize and respect another faith community. It's the same God. You know, we have differences of opinion and differences of faith uh, ideas, but we have the same God and the same Bible, and we uh, try to adhere to that. And I and I and I think the message that I want to share is that, um, you know, we as Jews are uh, are on this journey. And we've been so for thousands of years, and it hasn't been easy. And you're aware of that. And we we struggled, um, but I think we're getting closer to each other in terms of. Uh, individuals, human beings on earth, um, being sensitive to each other and trying to not offend people as much. And obviously that's a big, uh, big issue and big discussion, but, and I think that on a religious level, you know, I, I, I'm willing to acknowledge that, you know, we're faith, um, we're co, co, co-religionists. Okay. Now I have my Judaism and I, you know, I follow this path and I believe it's the truth and you have your christian values and you believe that's the truth uh, but it's a venn diagram there's there's some there's some room in the middle where we have shared common beliefs and shared values and shared ideas and shared ideals and uh we need to build on that because only through that can we truly i think sanctify god's name in the best possible way it's amazing um i i think we i think we can go on for a month uh, about that, and, and I suppose we should be. Um, but I, I'm glad. I'm again. I said at the outset, I'm really grateful. I didn't. We, we didn't rehearse this at all. So how you responded, um, really, really delightful. That that's what's in in your brain as far as uh, material and, and knowledge, but just coming straight from your heart. And I really like that. Um, and I hope that others, that everyone following, is is as um, appreciative that this has been inspirational as the as the name of our podcast inspiration from zion um and and i hope that this will continue to um create more questions and seed other dialogue uh i neglected to say at the outset that this is the first or second i don't remember uh of what we hope to be a series and i hope that that uh that you'll be back um ask the rabbi this was prompted by questions that came from Christian friends about Judaism. So we always, always, always want to ask people as a dialogue to be in touch with us. Um, inspiration from Zion at gmail.com and genesis123.co. Um, let me wrap up just by thanking also our sponsors um, who, who helped make this possible. Uh, first of all, from our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. Um, Rabbi, you're closer to Culpeper, Virginia. So if you need something in a greenhouse, that would be the place to go and give them a hug and say thank you um, and, and thank them for making uh, this, this program possible. And also to our friends, the Coin family, for their meaningful sponsorship. As a project of the Genesis 123 Foundation, um, all our programs are made possible by donations, whether it's buying cold watermelon and drinks that we've been privileged this month to be dispersing to soldiers all over the uh, heat wave that we're, that we're living through at the moment or, or programs like this. So I want to encourage everyone who's following to please uh, consider joining us and help, uh, help the dialogue and build bridges. Um, we're always, always welcoming sponsors of future episodes in honor or memory of, of a loved one or a special occasion that you've got. And again, please feel free to be in touch 
with questions, with comments, and to continue this as a dialogue. Um, until next time, well, first of all, last of all, um, Rabbi Baumel, thank you again for, uh, for taking time, for joining us for this great insight and, uh, and spiritual uplifting at the season, it, which is always appropriate, but especially at this season. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Jonathan and, uh, and the viewers. And I'd say to the viewers, you know, share this. You know, I, I think what Jonathan is doing needs to be heard in uh, millions of, of homes uh, throughout uh, the world. And the more we can share, the more I think uh, people will, uh, will really be inspired as uh, is your message here. So congratulations. Well, you, you've, you've delivered a good message and I hope that that will happen. And I hope that you will continue to follow inspiration My from pleasure. Zion. Uh, and uh, until then, until next time, um, this is Jonathan Feldstein sending blessings from the Judean mountains. Uh, wherever you are, stay safe and healthy. And uh, especially at this season, wishing you a sweet and joyous new year. Shalom, shalom. Alleluia,